This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to see you in the house of God. If you're a guest, I welcome you. And many of you know I was out of town last week and I thoroughly hated it. No, actually, I enjoyed where I was, but I really, really miss the pulpit that God has blessed me to be in, and so there's no place like home. I missed you guys, but we're glad to be back here. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hands. I highly encourage you to get the Word of God in your hand somehow today, and I will just tell you, as we begin this, you'll probably want to listen to podcasts and stuff to really, really, really let this sit on the inside of you. Let it marinate on the inside of you. I, I believe with all my heart that this will change your life, your prayer life, everything and above. And so we will begin this morning in the book of Daniel chapter 10, and then we will go to Revelations 19. Now, God put a will within every one of us. Now, what do I mean by a will? God put a choice within every one of us. We choose things such as salvation. We choose stuff like um, forgiveness. We choose help. And what I mean by that is the way you experience any of those three is by asking God to come into your life, asking God to move in your life. And so really, when we look at it in that sense, we are giving God legal access to our life. God, he, he waits. See, I don't get saved until I ask him to come in. So God is on standby waiting for us to do that. Now, when we talk about the word prayer, prayer is to engage God, to allow God to move in our lives. And just with a thought here before we jump to Daniel 10, how many of you in your life have ever prayed and then it seemed like heaven went quiet? In other words, where are you at, God? Do you not hear? Do you not see? I, I believe this, pers- this first passage will begin to tell us some things. Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So we look at this man of God named Daniel, and literally this is his position right here, that he's either in a form of prayer or he's in a form of worship. Now, worship is a, is a tool for the kingdom of God. I believe it's very important that we learn to become worshipers. Where we come in here and we praise God and we worship God. And we tell him how grateful we are. And you know what that may mean? Leaving your phone in the car. Oh, pastor, I couldn't do that. Let me tell you, there was life before cell phones. I promise you. I remember when all there was was a line man, a uh, 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 land line. I said a land mine. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? How many of you remember those old cords that would string all the way from here and they'd go all the way around? And man, you'd try to get away from the rest of your family. Again, don't let anything distract you from worshiping God. But right here it shows again this man, this man named Daniel, and I will highlight he's just the man. Just a human being. But he understood the significance of worship and prayer. Verse 11. And he said to me, now this was an angel right here. 
This is the visitation from heavenly beings. Does he still do that? Yeah. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. And on two different occasions in Daniel 10, it uses that word greatly beloved. Do you know that you're greatly beloved? I'm greatly beloved. Not because of what I do, because who I am in Christ Jesus. And so he said, man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then this angel said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So this angel tells him right here, The reason I've come because your prayers, your words have got the attention of heaven. And understand my words and your words get the attention of heaven. This angel specifically said, I came because of your words. The power of prayer. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, right there, that that tells me that there are demonic armies that have tried to oppose the things of God right here on earth. And, And this angel said to him, from the very first day that you started to pray, I heard, but this devil, this demon, this prince of Persia, he withstood me. Now, it's interesting right here that when you look at this passage, this man named Daniel, after 21 days, He's still on his knees. He's still praying. He's still worshiping. He hadn't given up. And then he goes on to say, And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me, for I'd been left alone there with the king of Persia. And you say, who's Michael? Michael's one of the chief angels. He's one of the good guys. The good angels. Do you know there's good angels and bad angels? The good angels are the one that hung out with God. They didn't rebel against him. And this demon here that is the prince of Persia, at one time he was an angel in heaven, but because he chose to follow the devil, he became a bad angel. And so when we look at this right here, and we see what's taking place, Daniel's prayers not only engage God and heaven... Daniel's prayers got the attention of the devil and the evil forces. Actually, when he prayed, his prayers were that that were being opposed by the evil side. And so understand, when you pray, prayer is nothing more than a conflict. And the conflict doesn't take place here on earth. It takes place in the heavenlies. And so whether you realize it or not right now, if we could see in the heavenlies, There's a battle that's going on back and forth. But by learning to pray how God wants us to, we don't win on the battlefield. We're going to win in the courtrooms. Now, this is going to come out more and more today. Same chapter, verse 18. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. Now, did you hear what that just said? The one who had a likeness of a man, the angel. Where's that found biblically? Hebrews 13, 2 says, Many of you have entertained angels and you were unaware of it. 
It still happens. I like that thought. I love the thought that Michael could be present right now. Do you know there's a man who's at the Men of Iron every year? And I tell you, he sees angels all the time. He's told us on numerous occasions, Gabriel and Michael have been there. I was like, really? And I said, tell me about it. Man, he begins to tell you, oh my gosh, they're bad to the bone. I mean, they are some warriors, guys. And so again, this is just Bible. I welcome the angels. Keep reading, verse 19. And the angel said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you, be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? You know why he came to Daniel? Because Daniel petitioned heaven. Daniel cried out to the living God. And he said, Father God, we need you to intervene. And then he goes on to say this. And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So right here, he's telling us about that there are demons that literally oppose nations. When you see nations that are dominated by certain things, understand there's a reason behind that. Verse 21. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one opposes me against these except Michael, your prince. And again, Father God will send angels to help us. You are God's greatly beloved. Now, turn with me to the book of Revelations, chapter 19. Revelations 19. Understand that what I'm talking about here today is this has been rolling around in me, churning around in me for literally months. And so this will come out in great ways. And I believe God wants the eyes of understanding to be like, ask the Lord to give you revelation and knowledge today and watch what God will do. Revelations 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open. Heaven still has an open sign, okay? It's not closed. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. The white horse is symbolic of victory. And he who sat upon him was called faithful and true. The Lord Jesus is the one sitting on him. And understand, he said, he's faithful and he's true. The end of verse 11. And in righteousness, he judges and he makes war. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. Now note the order that that was just said. In righteousness, he judges and he makes war. He judges in the court of law, not on the battlefield. And he conducts a spiritual warfare, not a military one, okay? Now when you see the word judges right there, it literally means judicial activity. In other words, there will be a, a verdict that's rendered in the heavens concerning petitions and concerning prayers. And so what happens in heaven is legal precedence must be established. Keep reading. Now watch how some of this plays out. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. The crowns represent his authority. He had a name written that no one knew except him. And the name that no one knew except him was nobody can give his name true justice. I mean, we can give definitions, we can give descriptions of Jesus, 
But it truly doesn't give him true justice as how he really is. Verse 13. He was clothed with a robe that was dipped in blood. Understand the blood of Jesus. It's the great stain stick to sin. It's the only thing that washes it. It's better than bleach. How many of you have ever, not just once, but have the tendency that when you drink coffee or a certain beverage that you got a hole in your lip and your shirts have stains all over them? That's me to a T. I probably couldn't preach good if I didn't have coffee stains on me. But there was a period in time in my life that my wife would buy me those little stain sticks. And I'd pull them out. It didn't bother me. I didn't care who saw me. Man, I'd mark them dudes all up and everything. That's the blood of Jesus. That's the same as the blood of Jesus. I will tell you this. I'm getting ready to do a funeral down outside of Austin one day, and I make a wrong turn. Now, in my life, to drink coffee, to actually to drink coffee, tea, anything with a lid on it, that's not the will of God. I hate, I hate lids. I hate, I like a gulp, man. I just like to, some of you may be like that. Some of you saying, you're nuts. So we're going on the way to the funeral, and I got a white shirt on, and I make a wrong turn. And so I realize I make a wrong turn. And as I'm going this way, I see a line of traffic coming. And I said to Shelly, I said, hold on. I go down through this bar ditch and I come back up. Well, when I'm making that turn, I don't have my lid on my coffee. I never do. So you know what I do? I stick it in my mouth and I bite down. I hit that dirt, man. It spins me all around. I'm fishtailing everything. And man, I come back on and I beat the traffic. And I'm like, yes. It wasn't a little coffee. I mean, this white shirt has now has brown zebra spots all over me. Everywhere. She looked at me and said, now what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go do the funeral. Didn't bother me a bit. I walked right in there like, hey, this is how it is. Well, I don't know why I'm telling you that. But anyhow, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is the great stain stick. No matter what you've done. And he ends in this and says, and his name is called the word of God. So when you read at this, these all give testimony or witness in heaven. What were they? That he talked about. Number one, the crown which represented authority. The Lord said in Luke 10, 19, I give you authority. I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Even in uh, Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you authority. The second thing he said was the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, the name of Jesus is the name above every name. As a believer, I need to speak the name of Jesus. What was the third thing? He said, the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, and we'll get to it later this morning. Revelations 12, 11 said, we believers, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the last one he said was the word. Uh, John 1 verse 14 says, and the word became flesh. And so those four bear witness in heaven. They give testimony in heaven. They speak in heaven. Go now to the book of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Now, in this passage here in Luke, Jesus teaches here about prayer. In this passage, this, this parable here, Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, 
Jesus didn't liken prayer to a battlefield in this passage, this parable. He likens it to a courtroom setting, okay? Now let's allow the Word of God to teach us here. This this will help you. Verse 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Kind of like Daniel. But when he talks about prayer, I don't believe he's saying, you need to pray louder and you need to pray longer. You know what he's saying? I'm going to give you some secrets right here to prevailing prayer. Verse 2, saying there was a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard or respect man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Protect me. Defend me. This is what she's asking of him. And so when you look here, this is in a courtroom setting. This is with the judge. Interesting. When the woman needed help, she didn't go to the battlefield in prayer. She took it to the courtroom. She took it to this judge. And another interesting passage or a part you'll see in this whole thing, that as she goes to court, Not one time does she speak to her adversary. The only one she speaks to was the judge. Keep reading. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard or respect man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. The word avenge means I will vindicate her. I will see that she gets justice. Now, it's interesting that this is what she's talking about here. And so, through persistent activity in court, she just keeps coming. She just keeps coming to the judge. And this is what the lady is after. She's after a verdict from the judge. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Now, this is what this lady knows. That if this judge will render a verdict, Whatever he says will stand up. And it will silence the adversary. And so me, me, each of us in here, we understand when a judge gives a verdict, that's it. It stands. Verse number 7. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Now it's interesting that he says... Shall God not avenge them? So if this unrighteous judge has the ability here on earth to render a verdict on behalf of this woman that would change her entire life, what would happen when Father God, the great judge of the universe, renders a verdict on behalf of me and you? Not only does it stand in heaven, but his will will be done right here on earth. So what do we got to do? We got to get to a place in life where we understand that we give God a legal right to render a verdict on our behalf. Verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them, those who cry out day and night speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will really find faith here on the earth. And so when he says here he will avenge them speedily, I want you to think about something in a court of law. You don't see people screaming and yelling because if you do, they get booted out. And so everything in a court of law right here, it's done decently in order. Well, it's the same thing in heaven. 
Now, here's an invitation to me and you as believers. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace to receive mercy or obtain mercy and receive grace in a time of help or need. That word boldly there means we can come without reservation. So God wants us to come to the throne room of grace. God wants us to come to the heavenly courtrooms. Go back to the back part of your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Now, I encourage you to keep coming every week. Because each week we're going to add just a little bit, just a little bit. And I promise you, I'm going to do my best to slow down, okay? Just to slow down. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, how many of you have issues with impatience at times? Man, I do. That's me. And God's helping me. Even when I preach it sometimes, man, I, I, I get impatient. I get impatient. Let me tell you this real quick about patience. Where I was back in Oklahoma, if you've been in Oklahoma lately, man, every, every road back there is a toll road. And they play games with you. Like they want the exact amount of change. Well, how many people bring quarters to get on the toll road? And so I get on this one, and it's 50 cents to get on it. And then they charge me another 50 cents to get off of it. And this is some crazy stuff. And so I get directions to leave northern Tul North Tulsa to get to Dallas. And they said, you're going to go through a bunch of toll roads. And I said, all right, how many quarters do I need? They said, get $3 worth of quarters and you'll be all right. So I go to the first one and, and they have these little baskets here. And you're supposed to pitch them in there. You're supposed to pitch them in there, not throw them in there. So I come to the first, 50 cents, to get off 50 cents. I keep going around. I get to the next one. It's 85 cents. So you know what the 85 cents is? It's a sucker. No one has 85 cents. I got quarters. So I throw in my four quarters, and of course, you don't get no change. And so I haven't gone halfway around Oklahoma City. I'm getting on toll after toll, and I come to one, and it says, a dollar and a quarter, you must have exact change. And I'm thinking, I want to choke somebody. So I pull up to the booth there, and it says, here's a dollar changer. And I thought, thank the Lord. Well, then I look. It only changes ones and fives. The lowest bill I have is on me a 10. So I beat on the window, and there's no one in there now. The line is backing up. People are honking, telling me I'm number one. And I'm looking like, you got to help me, guys. So I walked back to the guy behind me, and I said, dude, can you break a 10? And he said, let the guy in the booth do it. And I said, there's no guy in the booth. And he starts cussing the guy in the booth. He wasn't there. And then he reaches in his pocket like he's my dad and says, here. He gives me two bucks, and I'm like, thank the Lord bless you. So I get on, and I take off, and I go to another one. I'm out of quarters. I'm out of everything. And so now, this is crazy. And my brother tells me, he said, don't run one of those. And I said, why? And he said, they'll charge you 20 bucks. I said, how do you know that? And he said, I've run one. <laughs> so I'm going down the freeway, man, this tollway, and I'm zipping, 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 and all of a sudden it starts shutting down, and there's a big sign. Toll tags this way to pay cash this way. Well, there's lines. There. I can't get in the far lane to pay. So I go through the main one, and I'm sure the chief is taking a picture of me. And so I looked and I said, Lord, what are you trying to show me here? 
What are you trying to teach me here? And again, I think even with prayer in our time, sometimes we're like, hurry up, God, hurry up. Move. God will avenge us speedily, but we've got to learn how to take it to court. Now, watch this here in in, in 1 John 2, verse 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. God doesn't want any of us to sin. You know what the issue with sin is? It causes huge problems in our life. God doesn't tell us to sin because he's an old fuddy-duddy God. He tells us don't sin because he knows it's an issue. And so the word sin, a definition of it, is trespass. So if we sin, we've trespassed. We've gone somewhere that we're not supposed to as human beings. It gets us in trouble. Then look what he says next. And if anyone sins, that would be me. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What's an advocate? He's a legal counselor. He's one who pleads our case before the Father. Now, if you'll note what he just said there. The goal is not to sin, but if I do sin... I need to learn to take responsibility for my choices. And I repent because of Jesus Christ in my life. And so I stand before God and I say, Father God, I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not going to try to blame other people. Shelly's fault, God. She made me sin. No, I chose to do that. But thank God he knew in our humanity that there was a high possibility we would sin. And he said, I got you a great defense attorney. Do you know that Jesus is the greatest defense attorney in the universe? Ooh, I want him defending my case. Verse 2. And he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation. That's a, that's a crazy word right there. It means he is the atonement or the sacrifice for me and you. So you know what he said right here? I'll take their place. I'll stand in their gap. I'll say, Father God, put all their sin on me. Ooh, I don't know about you, but man, that that is huge. And he goes on to say in verse 2, for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the whole world. So when you begin to look at this right here, Jesus becomes our mediator. He becomes our defender. Revelations 12, this is the last verse today. Revelations chapter 12. Verse number 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ, they've come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, in this passage, we got to understand a couple words. The word accuser literally means our opponent in a court of law. He's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us in the court of law. Then it says, who accused them. 
who accused them. That word accuse literally means to withhold or retain. And it says he goes before God day and night. Now remember back in Luke 18 verse 7, it says that God will avenge those who cry out to him day and night. So here's what's taking place in the courtrooms of heaven. We as believers, we begin to pray, we begin to ask God to move in our life. But on this side, the accuser of the brethren, he starts coming in and he starts accusing us. And so his goal is to withhold and to retain the things of God. And so God has to make a verdict. So me and you, we stroll in before the great judge. And before he can make a verdict or decision, he says, how do you plead? Well, if I come in on my own abilities, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of sin. Now, this is exactly what the devil knows. The devil knows every one of us are guilty. So he comes before God and he says, Father God, look what Ernest has done. Look what Ernest has said. Look at his behaviors here. Romans 3.23 says, All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin of death. So if I stand before God and I'm guilty, the devil is crying out for the death penalty. He said, They deserve death. Guess what I do? You do too. Because all of our sin. I'm guilty. But look at verse number 11. And they, the brethren, overcome him, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So now I come back into the courtroom and I've got the advocate, the great lawyer, the Lord Jesus, and Father God looks at me and you and says, how do you plead? And I say, your honor, I plead the blood of Jesus. And the accuser of the brethren says, well, here's the evidence. Here's the testimonies. They've done this, this, and this. And God looks back and says, how do you plead? And I say, I plead the blood of Jesus, your honor. And God says, bring in the witness. And our advocate, the great king, the Lord and Savior, Jesus He removes his shirt and he shows the scars on his back and then he shows the handprints. And Father God takes the gavel and he pops and says, innocent because of the evidence that's been presented in the courtrooms of heaven. Yeah. He said, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know what my testimony and yours is? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The word plead literally means to declare yourself guilty or not guilty in a court of law. And so when I come by the blood of Jesus, I'm guilty except for that reason. For no other reason than the blood of Jesus. It washes us. Again, it's the great stain stick. So the thing that keeps us from walking in victory is number one, I have sin in my life or I have unrepentive sin. And so i got to get before God and say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. And let me tell you a couple stories here. That will change you. That will help you walk out here in life, certain things. There's a pastor, 
And he has a son who knows the things of God, is serving God, he's involved in ministry, and he decides to get married. And the girl he marries doesn't really have a real good relationship with God. That's why in 2 Corinthians 6.14 it says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now if you're already married, you're stuck. I mean that in a good way, okay? I don't mean that ugly. That's good. That's a good thing. But if you're considering getting married, you better know what you're marrying, okay? Don't marry a person for what's in their wallet. I do realize that uh, uh, looks are very good thing. I mean, I'm not going to sit up here and say, I wasn't attracted to Shelly's looks. I mean, even in my 50s, I'm still attracted to her looks, okay? Yeah, I'm legal, guys. I'm married, okay? Lighten up. You look at me like, man, you're messed up, dude. So he marries this young girl. Before long, she says, I don't want anything to do with this Jesus. I don't want anything to do with church. And she divorces him. He didn't want the divorce, but it literally spirals him out of control. The dad said that all he would do would go to work, and then he would come home and go down into the basement and just play video games or watch movies. That's all he did. And he said he kept getting in depression and kept getting depression. Well, the daddy and the mom, they're praying. They're petitioning God night and day for three years. And nothing's happening. And one day the Lord says to him, you need to take it to court. And he said, what do you mean? And so God begins to walk this out with him through the scriptures. So he goes walking into the courtrooms of heaven and he says, Father God, I come on behalf of my son. Him and his wife, they stroll in. The prayer of agreement with two. I believe the greatest prayer of agreement in Matthew 18 is between a husband and wife. That's why the devil hates marriage. So he goes in, him and his wife, and they begin to repent for their son's sins. Now, some of you hit the brakes right there and you say, can you do that? The Bible is very clear right now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. The word intercession means to stand in the gap for somebody who's not capable for doing it for themselves right now in their lives. That's exactly what Jesus did for me and you. Another area biblically that we can repent for the sins of others when they're not capable of doing it themselves is uh, Exodus 20, verse 6. Uh, repenting of the sins of the fathers to the third and the fourth generations. So again, they come on behalf of their son. And they said, Father God, we ask you to forgive him of all his sin. And we ask you to wash him of all his sin. Now this is where it gets interesting. After they repent of his sin, they said, Father God, we know that his time on this earth, you've called him to do great things for the kingdom of God. We ask you to begin to open up the books or the scrolls, the things that you spoke about his life. Now, that's next week. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. We ask you to start moving in his life for the very things that you spoke about him. And then you know what the Lord said? 
And not only do you need to repent of, your, of his sins, you need to repent of the sins, the, the words that you spoke over him. You know what the dad had spoke over him? You know what the dad said? Father God, nothing's happening. Nothing's working. And God said, see, you've spoke that over him. You spoke that nothing's happening, nothing's working. So they loose the things of heaven on him. They go into the courtrooms of heaven and they ask God through the blood of Jesus, move in his life, open those doors back up. Fifteen days later, the son comes walking in with tears and said, Dad, something happened. The kingdom of God has come back alive to me. And he began to serve God again. Fifteen days, three years, I would say that was speedily. Five weeks ago, I have this churning on the inside of me. And I'm seeing biblically what can take place. So me and Shelly are up one morning drinking coffee. And I said, dear, look at this. Read this. She reads it and she looks at me and she said, I think me and you need to go to the courtrooms of heaven. And I said, absolutely. I have a son that turned 30 on Friday. He grew up with the things of God, but he's been detoured a little bit. And so we, we marched in the courtrooms of heaven on behalf of our son. And we said, Father God, we repent of the sins of his life right now. And we speak the blood of Jesus over him. And we ask you to open up the things of heaven. Stir those things back up into his life. And I'm telling you guys, the anointing of God came in there. It's changed my prayer life. I come in here on daily basis. I've come on my own and I said, Father God, I repent. I ask you to forgive me of all the sin in my life. And I ask you to open up all the things in my life that you spoke over me when I was in my mother's womb. I've gone in that situation for my marriage. I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks. It'll light you up in a good way. I've been in the courts for my daughter, my son. I go into the courtrooms of heaven on my grandkids. Some of you in this room, I've gone in the courtrooms on your behalf. God would lay down people and I'd write your names down and he'd say, go in there and start speaking the blood over them. Again, it's not because of who I am. I'm just a man just like Daniel was. But something happens when we begin to understand, when we petition heaven through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.